What up, world? It's your past first point guard and trailblazers reporter, Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked on Blazers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube. Why don't you make the show your first listen every single day, five days a week, available on all platforms and with fun guests. Like today, we've got Kristen Peake, a NBA draft analyst and just an amateur basketball expert all over the world from Yahoo Sports. Kristen, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. For me, this is the most wonderful time of year. The draft is less than two weeks away and I'm ready. I'm ready for it. I bet you are. You, you've been all over. You were at the NBA Combine. You're going to workouts and stuff. Um, you also, uh, last week, released a updated mock draft where the Blazers are selecting G League Ignites Dyson Daniels. What can you tell us about him and how he's you know risen up draft boards during this, this time? You know, Dyson, um, he's six 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 guard uh, out of Australia. He came over here to play for the G League Ignite. Um, struggled in the beginning of the season, just trying to get the pacing of the game, dealing with uh, bigger and stronger, older guards playing in the G League. And also, when when guys take the G League Ignite route, I don't think they understand that they're going to be going head to head against guys that are trying to get back into the league, are trying to you know keep food on the table for their families. So there's a different element of intensified just competition in the G League. Uh, but by the end of the season, he was finding his way. His shot was falling more consistently. Um, he's very, very smart off the pick and roll, reads the defensive, the, the defense very well. And I think that's something that teams have a lot of value in. And then after the draft combine, he had a very good pro day, shot lights out, and he interviewed extremely well. So when you're in that six to 10 range for a team and the four guys, you know, that could be potential all-stars, franchise-changing players like Chet Holgram, Paolo Bancaro, Jabari Smith, and Jaden Ivey are already gone, then you're looking for something that is a bona fide fit, someone that's you know what you're getting in them, and, and Dyson kind of fits that mold. What position is he? He's a shooting guard. Can he play up? Because I think that's the question for the Blazers, right? Is like they have yeah. guards. It's like they look at him. He's got some skills and some size, but can he play up in the league or how far away is he being able, is he from being able to play up? No, I think, I mean, that's the name of the game, right? There are, there are very few point guards who can't go down and swing down and play the two position. And I think the other way around, even when you look at a player like Tyrese Halliburton went before he came to, before he went to the uh, Indiana Pacers, him and De'Aaron Fox in the backcourt, they were kind of one and twos. And so, I think Dyson is one of those kind of just multifaceted guards at the next level and is definitely has the IQ to keep the ball in his hands and bring the ball up and start the offense if needed. How much stock do you put into the interview stuff? Because everyone who's met Dyson Daniels loves Dyson Daniels. No one who's talked to him is like, I don't know about this kid. Anyone who's met him, and I, and I know you have, like you yeah. really like him. How much do you put into that sort of off-court soft stuff? It's interesting, right? Because if you're only looking to add just a a piece to the franchise and you know you're not necessarily swinging for the fences for that like I said like game altering player that some teams at the top are then you just want someone with no drama off the court you know they're going to show up and work hard every single night day in and day out Dyson is definitely he fits that mold I think Ben Matherin out of Arizona that he's someone else that you see starting to creep up because he fits that mold too and you know it's it's just at this point, you, you're not 
you're not worried about, okay, is this going to make us a, an NBA championship caliber team? Maybe you are for Portland because you want some, (laughs) some, some, uh, support around Dame, but for other teams that are drafting in this range, everyone's going to tank for Victor Wimbignana next year, who right. goes six, seven foot three out of France. So it does, it doesn't necessarily matter. I guess <laughs> the, the Blazers maybe picked the wrong cycle of year to be like actively terrible to end the season, because it seems like Wemby next year is going to be the super prize. Um, uh, it's going to get ugly in like March in the NBA next season. When I, not March, December. I'm calling yeah. it now. Like there's going to be like four or five teams that are going to start tanking in December. Yeah. Bad news for Sam Presti is that the Rockets will not be out tanked. They're like, listen, <laughs> Sam, nice idea, but we will also lose at all costs. Uh, this time of year is like, it's hard for me, someone who I'm like a I'm a draft novelist or whatever. Like I, I tune in in April. I tune in and I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll pay attention to the draft. I'll read Kristen Peake stuff and like kind of figure out who's who. Um, how do you make sense? Someone who does this full time of like the smokescreen stuff versus what's real this time of year. How do you balance that? I would say the teams are always trying to leak information, uh, either in their favor or, you know, in, in their best interest, or if they don't have a draft pick, then they're sabotaging maybe a team in their conference. So I don't really, I don't listen to it until maybe the week of the draft. There have, I, the one thing that I am starting to listen to, which I will be writing on, uh, next week is Jaden Ivy possibly going to, to Oklahoma City Thunder. I mean, that is a real scenario that could happen. And it's not necessarily the pecking order of Jabari Smith, Chet Holgram, Palo Bancaro, and then Jaden Ivy. I think, we were just talking about Sam Presti. I think Ivy is a player that, you know, Sam Presti would love to invest in. And then maybe you go after a Jalen Duran, a big like Jalen Duran or Mark Williams at 12. So that right. to me is not a crazy scenario. And I think the closer we get to the draft, I think more people will start to talk about that. Yeah. Presti doesn't care about your big board. He is, he's <laughs> doing, he's doing his own thing. He has never, he has never gone with a consensus. Uh, even like the big picks for Presti, like at the, now in retrospect, it's like, oh, great pick with Westbrook. At the time, Westbrook was kind of a weird selection. It was yeah. kind of like, oh, hmm. Um, you know, that's like the 2009 draft. So my listeners who were like in third grade, then, uh, trust me on this one. Yeah, <laughs> Trust me on this one. Um, you mentioned this when we were going back and forth, you were maybe thinking the Blazers had a bad spot at seven. What has changed your mind about that? And why did you initially think that as well? I, I did. I, I initially thought, because I thought the cutoff was at six with Shane Sharp and Keegan Murray. But then okay. when I got the feedback from different teams, how much they, they like Dyson Daniels and how much they like Ben Matherin, I think now the drop-off is at eight. And if you're number nine and deciding, do you want to go with injury-prone AJ Griffin, who may or may not have a healthy career, but if he does and he hits, he's a guy that every NBA team wants. He's, you know, a $200 million player. You know, when a second contract comes along because he's that big guard, can defend multiple positions. But his track record with injuries is a little dicey. So do you take that risk, hoping that he now turns it around and stays healthy enough for 82 games, not only in one year, but multiple years down the road? Right. Or a hundred if you're an NBA, if you're like a playoff team, right? You need him for a lot of miles. As we're seeing, as we get deep into the NBA playoffs, like the Celtics were good enough to play games without Robert Williams and Marcus Smart. You need depth. Um, so 
and but also you need dudes who could play a hundred basketball games. It's yes. um, it's a long, uh, it's a long, long road. Today's show is brought to you by Truebill. Companies make it hard for you to cancel subscriptions. They do it on purpose. So Truebill is here to make it easier for you to cancel those unwanted subscriptions. On average, people are saving up to seven hundred and twenty dollars a year when they're when they're using Truebill, and it's because Truebill is de- dedicated to make it incredibly simple for you to cancel those. Hard to find, hard to track subscriptions. You just link your accounts with Truebill and you could cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap. And if it's more than one tap, you're paying for a service. So a Truebill concierge will cancel those unwanted subscriptions for you. I've used Truebill. Under 15 minutes, I had an eyeball on all my digital subscriptions. I could find out what I was spending monthly, what I wanted to keep and what I wanted to get rid of. I found it super, super simple to use. And I think you will too. So start canceling today and don't fall for those subscription scams. Head over to Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Go right now. Truebill.com slash locked on NBA could save you thousands a year. That's truebill.com slash locked on NBA. All right. Still chatting here with Kristen Peak of Yahoo Sports. Let's continue the conversation. I'm curious. You mentioned Ben Matherin a couple times. The Blazers worked him out in kind of like a weird secret workout. He did a solo workout here and they didn't do any media. And then he declined to do, um, usually they do like the team produces some sort of like, look at the workout type of content, but they didn't do that. Um, How much stock do you put into those type of solo workouts for teams and guys, guys making visits like that? Solo workouts, I think it's more of, you know, the team has done, they've seen him play enough. And they've seen him in two pro days, first in Chicago and then probably out in L.A., um, where they know what they're getting and they don't need to bring other guys in to see him go head to head. They just kind of want him more one on one so they can really focus on him and maybe not get distracted by a Blake Wesley or even a Johnny Davis. And, and so I don't necessarily when I see a one on one workout, that's that's not a red flag for me. Ben is actually working out solo for the Indiana Pacers. And also it it might be something that his agent said, look, if you want to bring them in, you have to bring them in alone. So we don't know what those conversations are. It's basically like an a la carte of whatever the agent wants to put out there. And it was the same way at the combine. We didn't see measurements from Jalen Duran, who has been, we've been told is undersized. He's not really six foot 10. He's more probably six, eight and a half, not without shoes and six, nine. So that would be bad for him. We also didn't see AJ Griffin measure because there were rumblings that he came in a little overweight. So it's, it's basically this, this like huge wizard of Oz, whatever the agent wants you to know, that's what you're going to know. And I always love when I see players just come through and they're just like, I don't care. I'm going to do everything. I'm going to talk to the media. I'm going to go through all the combine testings. I'm going to play like Josh Christopher last year. He didn't, right. ha- he could, he could have done that, but he said, no, I, if I'm a first round draft pick, I'm going to show you guys I'm a first round draft pick and I'm going to prove it to you. And he did, he did. He ended up going to Houston in the first round. Do you think there's value in that? Like a guy like Jalen Williams seems to be the hot riser and he like yeah. killed it at the combine. Uh, and then there's the Shaden Sharp side where it's like, I'm not giving you anything. Nothing. You like, you, you can watch my AAU tape. Like where, what are the sort of the two sides of that coin when and I, how do teams I, weigh them? Yeah. So when I talked to Jalen um, at the draft combine after his second game, because he had done enough in the first scrimmage to shut it down and not play the second game, like everybody, everybody could see it. We're like, okay, that's the first round pick. He just made himself millions of dollars in one day at the combine. And the next day he suited up and he played the full scrimmage. And afterwards I said, 
Was there a discussion at all between you and your agent that you were going to sit because you had done enough? And he said, no. I mean, he said, yeah, we, we had a discussion, but I told my agent, no, I came to Chicago to play. I'm not sitting out. I'm here to play. And I want them to know that I'm ready to play. And everybody else who thinks that that was just like a fluke of how well I played in the first scrimmage, I'm going to show them, no, this is who I am as a player. I'm a dog on and off the court. I want to play night in and night out. I'm never going to sit if I have a chance to play basketball. And I'm just like, oh, what a <laughs> breath of fresh air. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Then you had Shane Sharp. I cannot for the life of me, and I'm not even kidding you, I cannot for the life of me believe that he did not just simply go through the testing with the vert jump and all that because he has the best vert out of any player in this draft class. And that could have gotten him some very, very right. high buzz as a positive. Instead, he sits down with Sham Sharana, the only interview he does all draft combine. And he essentially says, I'm staying in the draft without saying I'm staying in the draft. You know, and that that ticked off a lot of Kentucky fans because the way the situation was handled there. But as someone who's seen, who's probably seen Shade and Sharp in person more than anybody that's covering the draft, more than any NBA exec or scout, he's the real deal. I don't know how much this off the court time, him not playing a year at Kentucky is going to hurt right. him. But if he hits in terms of what his upside is, I think, and do not like be flabbergasted when I say this, I think he's a better shooting Anthony Edwards. If he hits. All right. I'm, I'm flabbergasted. I'll be honest. Yeah. I mean, that, I, I know, I know, I know, I know. But in terms of where Ant was at, where Shaden is now in this pre-draft process and who he was prior coming into this, granted, like he had that incredible game at Georgia where he right. had the best second half of college basketball. I think anybody's ever seen, but in terms of where they're at, incredibly athletic, um, a dog on the court, loves to play above the rim. Uh, Shaden has a better outside jump shot than him. I think Ant talks a little more on the court. Obviously he talks more off the court. <laughs> he talks a lot. Love. I love how much he talks off the court. Love. Shaden is like the complete opposite of that. But if he hits his potential, there's, I think we'd look back three, four years down the road from now and be like, why was anybody questioning Shaden Sharp as a top five pick? Makes sense why you thought the draft really drops off at at seven if you're that high on Sharp. Like if you if he's if he's like a you know a top five if he's a would have been top five guy, but there's some question marks. Like I, I understand the excitement yeah. there. Keegan Murray's the other name you mentioned. I think he's like in some ways the dream selection for Blazers fans. Yeah, because he fits a need. Right, they need a four. De they need size desperately, and he can play. What do you think about his NBA potential? I love. Keegan Murray, I mean, we shot anytime. This is this is what I love about how I cover the NBA draft because I see these these players when they're 15 years old, 16, right. all the way through high school. I cover them on the AU circuit, high school circuit, McDonald's on America, all the way up. And then I see them in college. And and in Keegan's in, uh, in his instance, I've seen his game progress in a very positive way each level. Like he only had one or two uh division one offers before before he decided to commit to Iowa, right? Wow. Him and his twin brother. And then you see the jump from freshman to sophomore year, and it was a massive jump. Same with Johnny Davis. And once you see that progression, you know that they're not plateauing like this. They're just going to continue to rise. So for an NBA team to see that and to see how productive he was in college basketball, leading the country in scoring or leading the, the Big Ten in scoring um, is a massive upside and, and it's very positive for NBA teams looking at that five to eight range. And for 
the Blazers specifically, I mean, like you said, everybody's looking for that big player that can extend their game to the perimeter. Um, he can score at every level. I think he'd be a great additional piece to Dame. Um, maybe not necessarily putting all the pressure on Dame to make plays with the right. shot clock coming down. And it's sort of like that inside out forward, that swing forward that you want in the NBA. Yeah, that they haven't had in, I don't know, eight <laughs> years. It's been, it's been a minute since they've had it. Uh, he's 22. Are you worried about him being 22? I feel like we treat 22-year-olds like ancient. They're, they're old as dust at this stage. I don't think so. The way I see it, like he's 22. Uh, Chris Duarte was 24, 25 coming in last year. And he's just more ready for the game. So you're going to see someone that's able to impact the game right away. Now, what's his shelf life look like? We don't know. But we've got, I mean, Chris Paul is 37. LeBron right, is right. 37. Steph and Clay are 33, 30. Like people are playing farther into their 30s than I think people are kind of giving this like whole draft scenario of like, no, they have to be 18, 19 or 20 to, in order to see their upside and grow. Right. Because if it used to be like, if he turned 29, he's it's, it's over. It's like, it's done for him. And I didn't like, I don't think, I think we've progressed to a point where the best players and maybe LeBron has changed our perception of this. The best players play well past their 32nd birthday at a very high level. So yes. yeah, I'm with you. I mean, like, I don't know. I don't want to call a 22 year old old. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> yeah, like, come on. Um, on Friday, Tari Eason of LSU worked out for the Trailblazers in a group workout. Uh, I think he was someone who was higher on in sort of mocks and then has slipped down. What do you like? What do you like about him? What have you seen from him? And why do you think he's kind of slipped in most people's mind? Um, I I really like Tari. Um, I think defensively, he's probably one of the best defenders, especially in the lottery. Him and Jerry Jeremy Sohan really have high upside defensively in terms of the the ability to guard positions one through four with Tari I think maybe one of the main reasons he's slipping is he doesn't necessarily have a consistent outside jumper yet he's more of the you know really exciting transition player that's going to try to dunk it on you every time he has the ball um but listen at the combine when he talked to media he was very well spoken. Um, I was assuming that he interviewed well for teams, but then I was hearing otherwise, just in right. different different case scenarios with different teams. But um, when you have when you are a dog on the court and a team is just looking for that maybe second tier player that uh, coming off the bench just to give your starters a rest, I think Tari would be excellent in that rotation, that second rotation, and someone. Once his outside jumper start, starts to develop, he's going to be a productive pro. My, remind, remember, like, we all said the same thing about LaMelo Ball. Right. His jump shot, he, he can't score. He only averaged 25% from three in the NBA. What is he going to do at the NBA level? And then he was rookie of the year. So yeah. anytime I see a player that struggles with their outside jumper, I always give them that grace period because there is room for development at the next level for that. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what you think, but I think it's the easiest skill to actually develop in the league. Like shooting is shooting is a skill you can get better at where other things maybe are not as easy. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Like your, your feel might not get much better. Like you can get, it gets a little better, but like you can take a thousand standstill jumpers and become a better standstill jump shooter. It's like, you could get there. Today's show is brought to you by bet online. 
more lines, more props, more odds than ever before. The NBA Finals still going strong. The NHL playoffs rolling along as they head towards their conclusion. You got soccer all over the North American continent with the MLS and the NWSL. Whatever else you're in in for, golf, tennis, combat sports, you're going to find more lines, more props, more odds than anywhere else. So don't wait. Take advantage of this fun offer today. Go to Bet Online where the game starts. Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. Still listen to Locks on Blazers. I want to play you the rest of my conversation with Kristen Peak of Yahoo Sports as we wrap up our chat about the Blazers and the NBA draft. A couple other names I want to throw at you that have worked out for the Blazers. You mentioned AJ Griffin. Uh, is it just medicals with him? I think so. I think it's uh, it's that's my only that's my only reserve. Sure. And and when teams talk to me, I said the same thing that I told you. But since I've seen him for so long. It's right. like I I know him as a player that's injured more than he's healthy. But right. if he takes care of that, then he is gonna be probably the steal of the draft. So how do you weigh how do you weigh that? Right. Uh, I'm glad I don't have to make that decision. Yeah, that's <laughs> I've said this a bunch. And it's like it's a results-based business. Like you will get fired in the NBA if it doesn't turn out. This is it's it happens every year, but like I can just talk about process kind of vaguely because I'm not gonna get fired from podcasting if I whiff on <laughs> If I if I whiff on Keegan Murray, no one's going to come take the podcast away from me. I'll have to, you know, my other shortcomings may lose me the podcast. Um, Jalen Duran worked out for the Blazers. Just in general, do you think the value of centers in this draft is being diminished a little bit? Obviously, there's some big guys at the top of the draft, but do you think like true fives are kind of dropping a little bit? They are. I mean, I would say after the big three of Chet, Paolo, and Jabari, um, you'll see Jalen Duran get picked up and then also Mark Williams. I think that'll just depend on like team preference on the two of them because Mark is a little bit older, more of a rim runner, uh, a rim protector. Jalen has more of an old school back to the basket game, is a phenomenal passer out of the double team and already has like an NBA ready frame at 250 pounds. And he just turned 19 years old. So will he impact the game immediately next year? I don't think so. I think it's more of a one to two year down the road, similar to what we saw with DeAndre Ayton right. in, in Phoenix and how it just took him a couple of years before he was that guy and the center. Um, so I see that more happening with Duran and Mark Williams. He'll be like one of the best rim runners in the NBA at some point. Yeah, I, I, re- I really like Mark Williams. Yeah, he's, yeah. I thought he was the... This is like, I'm a Carolina guy, so this is like me hating, but I thought his freshman year was, he was the best player at Duke. Like, I, I thought he was the best player on their team. Um, uh, well, that, well, that was a bad year, his freshman year, yeah. <laughs> <That> was, <laughs> which I'm sure you loved. <laughs> uh, I still love it. Yeah, I'm, I'm li- <laughs> it's great. I'll, I'd love to relive it. Uh, just like a theoretical question before I get you out of here. Uh, how do you view, like, how do you balance fit versus best player available? Like, obviously there are, if you're in a certain situation, you just take the best player ever. But for a team like the Blazers, they kind of need help. How much do they balance just absolute best player on the board versus fit with their roster? I would, I will always say this. If you're in the top 10 and you're looking for best fit and the best player available doesn't fit that, then trade down to the team that wants that best player available. So if you want size and you're sitting at seven, but don't necessarily want to take Jalen Duran or Mark right. Williams and Keegan Murray is off the board, then trade down for a team that wants Johnny or that wants Dyson Daniels or Ben Matherin or any of that. Although I think I honestly, I think Ben Matherin would be a great fit. 
Yeah. Can he, can he play three? Like, can he play small forward in the NBA? I think so. I mean, he's the what six, 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 seven. I don't know if that's undersized or not, but in terms of like how his first step off the wing is insane. He's really good at getting downhill and creating for others. Um, defensively. I mean, he needs a little bit more work in terms of guarding the perimeter off the pick and roll. He's, he's gotten caught a few times in college, but um, I think he's someone that you could plug and play right away alongside Dane. Well, there you go. I I've kind of pitched Matherin as maybe, as maybe like a really reasonable target. And I think some of my listeners um, have, there's been some resistance here on lockdown Blazers. So listen, you can't, I, in my mind, you cannot go wrong. If Keegan Murray is there, take him. I would say the only, the only player I could imagine the trailblazers being like, uh, let's think about a trade is if Shane Sharp's still there. Right. At seven. So, um, that would be my only scenario if I was in the front office where I would start to entertain other phone calls from different teams. Just because he could get you some value or, and he, and he's like, oh, he's a guard. Is that, is that why? Like I think so. Yeah. 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 I, it's, it's funny. Cause like, it's, he's such a tantalizing upside guy and everything we've heard about Joe Cronin is like, he's just, he wants, he loves an upside swing. So it's like, Joe, do it. <laughs> don't, <laughs> don't trade, do it. Um, if people are looking for more of you, Kristen, where can they find you? I am on Twitter. I'm on Instagram at Kristen peak. And then you can always read all my work on Yahoo sports. I cover the draft year round. I cover high school and AAU, you know, anything, Bronny James, I'm always having to write. <laughs> so, and then sometimes I dip into, you know, NBA stuff with, with the playoffs. So just anything basketball at all three levels. Yeah. I'll link to your latest mock draft in the episode description for this episode, because uh, it's got a, a, a blurb on what the Blazers might do in the latest Intel there. And uh, make sure you read more of Kristen's work. Kristen, thanks so much for joining, you, uh, joining us. I really appreciate it. Anytime. Thanks for having me. Dear listeners, come back. We got more shows later this week. It's five days a week, wherever you get podcasts. So make it your first listen and then tell your friends to do the same. And then by the time you get to lunchtime, you'll have something to chat about. You'll be able to talk all about Shaden Sharp's upside and Dyson Daniels ball handling skills. Sounds like a good day. So make it your first listen. Come back and do it again soon. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.